This is the word of the Lord for us this day. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the ruler of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hands, he said, and so now we're going to skip this next part and I'll explain why, um, because he's just going to tell the story of redemption, which we will describe in the sermon time, okay? So trust me here, we're not skipping over the word of God. I'll explain it to you, all right? So now picking up again in verse 42, it says, as they went out, the people begged that these things, the gospel, might be told them next Sabbath. How wonderful. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. Hallelujah. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook the dust off their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for this word that meets us exactly where we're at, that is living and active, a double-edged sword. We're thankful for this story, Lord, throughout the book of Acts that you've encouraged us to enter into and to find our own story there. And what we're asking for this morning, Lord, is that same word we've been praying for years now, more. More, Lord. We're hungry for more. More of you, more of your spirit, more of your truth, more of your life, more. We know we've been made for more. So I ask that you would increase our hunger today and that you would then satisfy our hunger today. And in so doing, make us more hungry today, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that there's something that resonates deeply inside of our souls when we draw near to you and find that you've drawn near to us. So I pray that you would remove the walls that we have built up in our own hearts this day and that what would be left is the light of life himself. Come, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
All right, so a serious question for you this morning. Do you have a big butt? <laughs> there are really two ways to understand this question. One is the Spaceballs way. Spaceballs, if you've not seen it, is a Mel Brooks film that's a spoof on Star Wars and Star Trek at the same time. It's hilarious. Um, but you, you see in this side of it over here, the president who's being... Uh, beamed up to another room like they used to do in Star Trek. Who knows who's ever seen Star Trek before? Notice that none of the young hands have gone up because I'm old, but you'll get over it. Um, And in this scene where he's being beamed up, something uh, really horrible happens. His head gets put on backwards and he recites this most famous line from Spaceballs. Why didn't anyone tell me my butt was so big? Right? Because he's turned around and he's looking at the size of his rear end, right? Now, just so you you don't miss the point here, that's not the butt we're talking about today. Okay, we're not talking about the gluteus maximus today. We're actually talking about this conjunction of contrast. But, this idea that says, here is a notion, but here comes another one. Here's truth, but here comes a counterpoint. Here's what God says is right, but here's why I don't quite buy it. The conjunction of contrast. You know who's got big butts? Our teenagers. In fact, all of our children. That's a little teenager right there, right? (laughs) All of our children have a lot of butts. They're always asking, but mom, but dad. And as they get older, it's like, yeah, whatever, right? They don't even use the word but. They just push back because they're trying to find their way in the world. And we've all lived in the world long enough to realize that it doesn't always seem to work the way that it's supposed to or the way that we want it to. And so lots of buts. The issue that we have as adults is we think we don't have big buts. We, we think, we think we're, we're, we're cool like that. So we come to the notion of God, and here's what we say. We say, I love God, but I can't really deal with this supernatural stuff. That stuff really pushes me to, to the end. I'm, I'm uncomfortable there. So I love God, but I'm not comfortable with the, the supernatural. Can, can I tell you? If you put away the supernatural side of God, you put away God. Have you forgotten that God's the one who, when he wanted to make everything, he spoke and it happened. Let there be and there was. God's the one who holds the entire universe together in the palm of his hands. To get rid of the supernatural is to miss him completely. It's the same struggle we have when it comes to Jesus. We, we love when we're spiritual people. Here's what we say. I can deal with God and even the spirit because the spirit's great because he's kind of like my buddy. He helps me be a better version of myself. But it's Jesus we don't like because Jesus takes us to the cross. And Jesus is the one that confronts us regularly with our shortcomings. And please raise your hand nice and high if you love to have all of your shortcomings constantly exposed. None of us do, right? That's not the point here. The point is not God's coming to shame us. The point with Jesus is that God is coming to save us from those shortcomings. That's what we celebrated at Easter last weekend. It's what we celebrate every Sunday because of Easter. Right? And so the wrestling that we have with Jesus and with God and the supernatural or with our money, our time, and why is time on there twice? 
That's just a little picture into the craziness of my week, friends. Money, time, body, time. Hmm. Got it, right? When we say to God, you know what? I really, I believe in God, but when it comes to my resources, whatever you're going to put on that list, I kind of have a better idea how to use them. I don't want to invest where he's calling me to invest. I don't want to open my hands where he's calling me to open my hands. Please realize all of the things we just talked about are ways that we, we're saying, I don't love God. I don't believe in God. I don't submit to God, right? Because Jesus is the one who says, if you love me, you'll obey me. Now, we, we really balk at that word obey because we don't like it. We don't like to be told what to do. But here's the thing. Let's change out the word obey for trust. It's the same word. If you love me, you'll trust me. And it'll change the way you live your life. Where are you struggling with that, friends? Where are you struggling to love that guy in your life? That dude, that gal, that person who's really pushed your buttons. And you're like, I love God, but I don't love that person. God's the one who says, you cannot love me and hate your neighbor. Where are you struggling with your butts? Do you have a big butt? And maybe the better question to to ask and answer is, do you really want to know? Why didn't anyone tell me my butt was so big? Do you really want to know? Can I encourage you to just say a quick prayer right now? Lord, show me my butt. (laughs) Help me to see where I'm pushing back against you. And help me to be ready to see you for who you really are. He's going to keep coming back to this notion, friends. But let's let him do this work as this morning we continue through our series in the book of Acts. It's all about the mission of the Spirit. And we're going to look at one theme. Here it is. God's bigger, better but is the best news there is. God's bigger, better but. One T, not not two. God's bigger, better contrast to the reality we thought we had to live in is the best news that there is. So in case you missed it, throughout the passage we just read, it's a constant back and forth. But, 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 but. It's like ping pong. But, but. And we're just going to unpack those buts together this morning, okay? So first is but Mark. But Mark. In our passage, John Mark. John Mark leaves. Why is that significant? Because when you went on a missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas, they were counting on you. They were relying on you. When you traveled in the ancient Near East, you were in danger. It was a struggle to survive to begin with, let alone if you're traveling. You needed everyone on board for the duration of your trip. This will become the reason why Paul and Barnabas actually part ways in a couple of chapters. Because John Mark, who happens to be Barnabas' cousin, decides, it's too much for me. I'm out. But Mark. But Mark gave in to his fear and his self-protection. Please realize, friends... Where we struggle with the but, I love you, God, but, is always going to be seasoned with fear. Fear is going to be what it smells like, what it tastes like, what it feels like. Fear. 
And what fear drives us to is self-protection, control. Whether your version of control is running away from it or coming and grabbing it and taking it by the horns, it's going to push us one way or the other. Because we're afraid, we feel like we have to take control. Hold on to that because we're going to come back to it. Even though John Mark left, the next thing in our passage is but God. But God, it doesn't stop Paul and Barnabas. There's a funny little play on words in our passage. You may have missed it. The guys in the synagogue, they read the Law and the Prophets, and they come to Paul and Barnabas and say, Brothers, if you have a word of encouragement, would you give it now? Do you remember what Barnabas means? Son of encouragement. Excuse me, son of encouragement. Do you have a word of encouragement for us this morning? God's funny. God's funny, right? And so, yes, he has a word of encouragement. And then it says, Paul stands up, and he explains that passage that we glanced. We, we didn't read. We just went right over. So let me explain it to you. It's simply this. It's God saying, I made a people, and they rebelled. But I chose, in the face of their rebellion, to save through the family of Abraham. But they were enslaved in Egypt. But even though they were enslaved in Egypt, I rescued them through the Exodus and the Passover, which we just celebrated last week. But even though I rescued them, they continued to rebel against me. But even though they rebelled against me, I raised up leaders for them. And every time there was a godly leader, they brought them back to me so that they might know that I am gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So that they can start to get this notion that it's not simply about a leader or following rules. It's about someone who knows God's heart and who's come to save them from the deception of their own. A king who would be after God's heart like King David, only better. That king would be named Jesus, who would show us the heart of God, not by ruling with an iron fist, not by giving us what our shortcomings deserve, not by shaming us into obedience, but by taking all of that upon himself on a cross that he willingly bore to save the very ones who nailed him to it. That, friends, is the heart of our God for us. There's a reason why it's called good news. Because there's no better news than that. So this is the story that we glanced over so that we could tell it again. But it goes on. But those in power in the life of Jesus, they were the ones who nailed him to the cross. He tells the rest of that story because they didn't recognize Jesus. And here's why they didn't recognize Jesus. Because they thought they had a better understanding. There's no possible way that they could be wrong in their understanding of who Jesus was supposed to be. Who the Messiah was supposed to be. This is the sticking point. Not just 2,000 years ago, but today. Please don't miss this. When we have convinced ourselves that we have a better idea of who God should be, rather than responding to the God who is, we are only fooling ourselves and missing out on what God has for us. In fact, we're living into the very narrative that we blame him for, that he doesn't want for us. Let me illustrate that for you really quickly with another cinematic masterpiece called Zoolander. 
Zoolander is the not-so-true story of a model named Derek Zoolander, who has been the model of the year for many years running, and he's at this, uh, the awards ceremony thinking that he's about to win model of the year again. And so even though when they announce the winner of model of the year, it's not Zoolander, Zoolander still gets up, walks on stage, and begins his acceptance speech in front of everyone and is utterly humiliated. Why? Because they didn't communicate? Because they didn't say that it was someone else? Or because he wasn't listening? Because he had a better understanding of the very truth that had just smacked him in the face? Do you see? The rest of the movie is about him dealing with the shame that he then wore. Not because those who were in charge of the ceremony shamed him but because he put that coat on himself because he had a better understanding of the way things should be. Friends, this is our issue with Jesus from start to finish. We have a better understanding. It's I am versus I am. It's us wrestling with Jesus in the places where we say, you need to be different because if you're not different, I'm ashamed. I'm less than. I'm not loved. And all the while, Jesus is saying to us, you are loved. I've not come to shame you, but if you push back on me, all you'll wear is the very thing you're afraid I'm going to give you. Not because I'm putting it on you. Because you're putting it on you. This is our issue. But God, even when they did this and when we do this, God's not done, friends. He's not done. God raised Jesus. Their lack of recognition was actually used to bring about the very ends that God wants. So here's the good news. As we're wrestling with this notion of where we have a big butt towards God and especially towards Jesus, God's not going to give up on us. God's going to even use our wrestling to bring about his good pleasure and his blessing in our lives. Do you hear that? It's all over the story of redemption, the story of of God bringing himself in the, the person of his son to this world to come and show us in the flesh just how much he loves us. And friends, he's brought you here today to hear that same message. Because man, do we wrestle. Do we wrestle with believing Even though in our passage for this morning, he said, many believe, and there are many of us here this morning, please hear this, that think you believe this. And you do up here, and maybe even down here, but not down here. There are still those things you're holding on to. Those places where you've given yourself the right to stay angry with God because it hasn't worked out the way you want it to. Those things in your history that you're like, it shouldn't have been this way. And if you're really good, you wouldn't have let that happen. And so I'm going to stay here in this bitter spot. The things about your present and future that you're hoping for, and if God doesn't give it to you, he's not good. And so I'm going to reserve part of my heart. Do you hear every but? How big is yours? We all have them, friends. But please don't miss this truth. Failure to recognize the truth does not change it, and it does not stop it. God is coming to get you. 
because he loves you. It's not about showing you that you've been wrong. It's about showing you that you've been loved. And he's not going to stop until you get it. And yet, it happens again. Even as Paul and Barnabas are sharing in this first century church, in this first century synagogue rather, they're sharing about this Jesus. They've told the story of all that's happened throughout the ages and then again in climax in Jesus. And it literally happens right in front of them. And listen to the words that Paul says to them. Don't miss these. You thrust it aside, meaning the good news, and you judge yourselves unworthy. Did you hear that when we read it? I hope so, friends. If you hear nothing else this morning, please hear this. God is not the one who comes into our lives to tell us we are unworthy. He comes into our lives because we are worthy. He made us to love us. When we reject that love, we choose for ourselves unworthiness. Did you hear it? You judge yourselves unworthy. It's a trap. Where we've said no to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have put ourselves in this trap that has said, you think this about me. And you know why we get in that trap so easily? Because when God, and specifically Jesus, comes into our lives and highlights all the places that we need the cross, you know what's happening in those moments? He's stripping bare all of the false identities we have made for ourselves. And so all the places where we have said, I'm valuable, I'm worthy because I've got a great job. I'm worthy because I have a, a fantastic family. I'm worthy because I have all these accomplishments. I'm worthy because you fill in the blank. When God comes close and says, None of those things actually matter. You're not worthy because of what you do or what you've accomplished. He wants to bless you, don't get me wrong. But you're worthy because of who you are and whose you are. He wants to undermine this lie, friends, that continues to keep us on the hamster wheel of achievement that says, no, 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 this is how you prove. And if you can't prove, then you're not. For those of us that have spent our lives trying to prove that, when God steps in and says, uh, 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 that's not how this works, here's what we do. I love God in general. I love the spirit who helps me be a better version of myself, but I can't stand Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who takes away my worthiness. Beloved, the only one who takes away your worthiness is you. Amen. When we reject the one who's literally laying down his life to show us how worthy we are. Amen. Please don't Stay in the trap, whether it's Jesus in general or those places down here that you've already been thinking about all morning, where you've said, yes, but.
It's a trap, friends. It's a trap you don't have to stay in any longer. But God, once again, uses their rebellion. You're seeing why I went with this whole but theme, right? Like, it's not just because I'm corny. It's all throughout our scripture, right? It's all throughout our scripture. But God, again, uses their rebellion. And it says that the Holy Spirit mission continued forth to the next city. And they did something that I don't want you to miss because it absolutely puts an exclamation point on our point this morning. It says that they shook the dust off of their feet and moved on to the next city. What does that mean and why are they doing it? that. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sent out his disciples and he said this, go, preach the good news, heal the sick, drive out demons. In my name, I'm giving you authority. When you go into any city, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find someone who's worthy. Listen, find someone who's worthy. Here's how you're going to know they're worthy. Go to their house and if they welcome you in, stay with them. And let your peace rest upon them. If they reject you, they have just shown themselves unworthy. Shake the dust off of your feet and walk away. Do you see the point, friends? God's not saying to his disciples, go look around and see the worthy ones. They'll be the pretty ones. They'll be the successful ones. They'll be the well-dressed ones. They'll be the ones driving the Porsches. You'll know them right away, the worthy ones. That's not the point here, friends. He's saying, go into the city, and whoever comes your way, go with them. And if, you, if they welcome you into their home, if they are willing to receive the good news, they are worthy. What is that saying about us? That one of the biggest lies that we have believed our whole lives is that God is the one who's up there, the ogre in the sky, who's saying, you're worthy, you're not worthy. You're worthy, you're not worthy. That is not who our God is. Our God is the one who says, I'm coming to you because I love you. The fact that I've created you and I'm pursuing you shows you what I think of you. You're worthy. And so instead of judging ourselves unworthy because of all the false identities we have built up for ourselves, today is an opportunity, friends, to say no to those false identities and to enter into the only identity that we were ever made to know that sets us free from the hamster wheel, the voice of accusation, and all the shame and pride that, listen, We thought he was putting on us, and he never was, ever, ever. Rejecting God's good news does not make it bad. It just keeps us from knowing his goodness and his love. Question, friends, do you have a big butt? (laughs) Has God communicated that to you this morning? Do you really want to know? Have things come up as we've been talking that you're like, okay, this is like really deep stuff and I don't know what to do with it, so I'm scared, so I'm just going to push it away. Can I encourage you? He's bringing that stuff up because the only hands that are actually able to help you with it are his. He is not looking to shame you, friends. He's looking to set us 
free, set us free. We know where our butts are because it's the same, two sides of the same coin. It's fear and control. Fear that says, I'm afraid of the cost. Remember last week on Easter where we said, where we looked at this whole idea of the truth of God with a twist, Satan being the very first bartender in the history of the world, takes the cup of God's grace and adds a little twist of death to it. So it looks like truth. It, it tastes like truth. It, it smells like truth, but it's full of poison. And it teaches us even there to believe that God's not good oh, he's holding back a little bit on us, so we can't really trust him, and because we can't really trust him, we need to actually take control for ourselves. Why? Because I need to be the star. I need to be the one that's ruling my life, because if I don't look out for me, thank you, nobody will. Huge trap for our soul. I don't have to look out for me because someone already has. You see that cross over there? It's full. Looks like there's flowers on it, right? I love after Easter weekend because all of our sins are nailed to that cross. And you can see the beginning of new life sprouting from that place that was once an instrument of death and is now the source of our very hope in life. It's our Jesus who tells us, friends, that's how worthy you are. You've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to God's bigger, better, but as Paul wrote it to the church in Ephesus, here are his words. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That's another way of just saying what we just said. We're constantly caught in this cycle of protecting ourselves from God because we're afraid of him, walking in this way of life. But God, being rich in mercy, listen, because of the great love with which he loved us. There's not shame language. That's not accusation language. That's love language. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And he goes on to say this. What does that mean for us? Here's what it means. For we are now his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you see? We used to walk in death, resisting the one who's called us worthy. And now in Christ, he invites us to walk in an entirely new way of life. A masterpiece. The Greek word there is poema. We are his poem. We are his work of art. His delight is in us that we should walk in this new way. The invitation and the question for us this morning is simple. Will we? Will we surrender all the places that we are saying to God, but? I want to, but. I'd like to, but I can't. I have all this evidence as to why you're not trustworthy. This isn't working out. I'm afraid. I I can't let go of control. If I don't look out for me, are you willing to let go of your butt and to actually receive the worth you were designed to know and share? If you're working really hard to make yourself worthy, 
and you're simply laboring by your own strength. And you don't even know what's about to happen right now. And now, and now. You're banking on the fact that you're able to breathe, that the air conditioning is gonna continue, that the electricity is not gonna go off, that you're gonna be able to get in your car and drive home, but you have no idea. You're not in control of anything. But the one who is, the one who says every breath that comes out of your mouth, I'm giving you, this is the air we breathe. The one who says that to you is the one who invites you to let him determine your worthiness today. One story and then we're done. You know who's been my big butt this week? George. I said it, George. I know you're watching. You're my big butt. Here's why. For those of you who don't know, George is one of our elders. And he's been in the ICU for the last two weeks, fighting for his life. And last week on Easter, we preached about what we've been hearing God say about George and his healing, that this is not the end, that there is more for him. And we have been leaning in, and you, got, you all have been so faithful to pray and reach out and encourage, and I cannot thank you enough, because God is hearing our prayers. But I need to tell you that this week was not an easy one. There were a lot of setbacks. A lot of moments where our hearts were rattled. And a lot of angry prayer times for me. Where I was saying, Lord, you said you were going to heal George. This does not look like it to me. Why is he struggling so much? Why is it one step forward and two steps back? You're good, but. You're faithful, but. You're going to be true to your word, but. But it has to look like this. It has to be a way where there's not so much suffering. It has to be a way where the time on that trach is short because I hate seeing my brother in it. It has to be different than this. And again and again and again, what I've heard from God is, I am good. I am faithful. And you must surrender your George to me. the only hands that can heal him, the faithful one who will walk him down this path and give him the strength that he needs, and the one who will bring him back to that chair where he will worship the king once again in our midst. I still believe. Don't give up hope, friends. But the road does not look as nice as we had hoped as easy as we want, but he's still on the road. He's still taking steps. And our God reigns. Our God reigns. Can I tell you, Thursday night, 
I was on a late Zoom call with a, past, a bunch of pastors that I'm in the doctoral program with, and one of them lives in Singapore. So it was morning for him and night for us, 9.30 at night, Zoom call. And as we're at the end of the Zoom call, and I'm so tired, I'm so tired. I'm like, Lord, why am I on this call? Like, I just, I, I need to go to bed. And my buddy Kay says to me, Pastor Kay says, Bros, before we get off this Zoom call, I want to share with you a word of encouragement that the Lord has put on my heart. There's a passage of scripture, a verse, that he has continued to have me pray through as I've been wrestling with stuff here in Singapore. You might know it. It's from Isaiah chapter 40. <laughs> but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. It's the passage we talked about last Sunday. It's the very verse we've been praying over George and for George. Do you think that was by mistake? It's God communicating to us again and again and again his goodness, his faithfulness, and his plan. Let's walk in it, friends. Where has God been challenging you this week with your big butt? It is so heavy to carry around that weight. He wants you to put it down today so that you can experience him carrying you. It is a very different reality. When he's the star, the captain, the champion, the savior, the king. Let's pray. Jesus, we all have so much evidence in our lives that we think convinces us that you're not good and that we're not worthy. And I pray that today, Lord God, you would set us free from those lies. That today, Lord, you would come close to those places that hurt the most and in your tender care for us. You would bring healing you would bring freedom and deliverance. You would bring shalom, shalom, perfect peace. For too long and in too many areas, Lord, we have tried to take your place and told ourselves we're not doing that. No, that's not what I'm doing. I trust the Lord and it's a lie. I thank you, God, that you're bringing us here this morning not to expose and shame us but to set us free from a trap that has only kept us from you. The one who is the source of our worth and our hope, our refuge and our strength. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us that at the cross, for pursuing us, for chasing us down, for being the good shepherd who leaves the 99 and comes after the one, and you won't stop until you find us, until you go all the way down to the bottom of our hearts in those places that we think no one sees, and you do. 
Jesus, we surrender. We surrender, Jesus. We're tired. We're afraid. We're sad. bring heaven back down to earth. And so, Lord, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit freshly right now? Would you raise to new life those areas in our hearts and our minds that have been forever stuck in the grave? Would it be your voice that we hear speaking over us freshly? You are worthy. I love you. You are worthy. I love you. And would this day, Lord, be the start of something new in our lives? Deeper breakthrough, Lord. Surer hope, Lord. More light and life. Not just in us, Lord through us, to those in our lives that you've called us to love, to those who are also trapped by that same fear. We're asking, Lord, rend the heavens, rip them open, and let your love and life pour out, Lord. Let it pour out all over us, Lord. Let it pour out and through us to those you've given us to love. Pour out, Lord God. so hungry for that day when we won't have to pray this prayer anymore. And we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly in your name. 